It's that time again. We go beyond the jive. Join our hosts, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the hive jive. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to another set of beekeeper chats with Natalie and myself. And uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm so happy to be back with y'all and uh, chat a little bit about some cool stuff today. That's right. And uh, it is a little bit nicer today. We were just talking off air here about how oppressive it was this weekend down here, hot and humid. But we had like this massive really dramatic storm blow through late last night very quickly and it it had a cold front with it dropped it down so today when we get done recording is going to be bee work day because uh i refused to leave the house and uh apparently you did as well yeah, <laughs> so, i did i ended up taking a nap <laughs> yeah so we we both kind of was like oh it's gross outside i'm not working today um, so now we get to play catch up today when we're done with this but today's episode We are going to go through and we're going to talk, um, and I will preface this at the beginning, this is a high-level theoretical conversation about just kind of what we think about it and views. They're not based on anything. This is all speculative. So um, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. So backstory on this, um, there's, there's always things that come up in the news and in the media when it comes to highline wires and cell towers and things like that and how they're going to affect things. And, you know, there has been some research and stuff that has indicated that even the electromagnetic fields and things from cell phones can potentially cause tumors and cancers and whatnot. And that also then goes into animals, mammals, insects, like there's all these different things. So Natalie and I were out at a chat with a beekeeper evening one Friday a while back. And this lady randomly shows up. Nobody there knows her. We don't recognize her, which out here in this area, yeah, out here in this area, that's rare for us. Like if if somebody that does beekeeping shows up and you don't know them, they must have just moved to town or just started because otherwise we know them all. And this lady comes up and she's very inquisitive and kind of like put together and she's got like a little folder with her and she's got a pen and paper so she can take notes. And she was super interested in like the bees and she wants to help them and save them. And then whenever it kind of got to to her turn to talk, she metaphorically dove off the deep end, like right off the bat. She was like, hi, so this is my name and I'm here on behalf of XYZ and we're doing a petition to Mm -hmm. stop them from putting up 5G towers because right now, like there's, there's all this stuff to it and we're, we're not going to go into the politics of it, but she was, she was she adamantly papers and yes. all kinds of leaflets. Yeah. And- she brought, she brought papers and leaflets and, and all, all kinds of fun things. And she wanted to know how she could get the beekeeper support to also go and back this because she believes, and again, not saying it's right or wrong. Don't know. No, but she believes that it's, it is detrimental to the honeybees and, and all kinds of other insects in life. Now, that being said, the one little thing that I will say at the very beginning before we get off into the, the pros and cons of this is in her pamphlet, 
or her little leaflet flyer thing that she gave us, it uses an example of how strong electromagnetic fields from some of these 5G towers has been shown to interrupt the reproductive cycle of certain beetles. And the funny thing was like, here she is trying to tell us, now we need to not have this out there. And all of a sudden I go in my brain way off the other end and I'm like, Hmm, I wonder if there could be a way that you could invent something that has an electromagnetic magnetic signal to screw up small hive beetles right. and not affect your bees. <laughs> so I immediately went completely the other direction. I, I tuned out oh like God. what it may or may not do to the insects. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, how could we use this to our advantage as a beekeeper? Um, but I, again, I don't know the reality of it. Now, what I do know and something that we had talked about during that, and I, I wanted to bring it up. I've talked to Ken about it before, but when you hear terminology such as 3G and 4G and 5G, most of the time we think about it in either the term of like memory for electronics and computing, which would be gigabyte. But if you think about it in like recording and audio, it's going to be gigahertz, which is then a sound wave or a frequency. But in reality, when you're talking about cell phone towers and you talk about Wi-Fi internet via the phone and mobile data, the G stands simply for generation. Mm -hmm. That's it. So 3G was the third generation of mobile Wi-Fi type enabled data. 4G was then the latest one, and that's been the prevalent one for quite a while. Now they're rolling out 5G. Iterations. It does not yeah, it does not version denote 1.0, exactly 2.0. Exactly. It doesn't denote the power of the signal or how many kilohertz or megahertz or any of that gigahertz that it's putting out. It's just the generation of it's the fifth iteration, fifth version, fifth generation of. So that's something just to clarify. Now, I have absolutely no idea whether or not it really has an effect on bees one of the things that they brought up was navigation and certain animals, including insects can use the electromagnetic field of the earth to help navigate. And they have their own basically built in GPS. We know that bees have this as well, but my counter that we had during the conversation was that bees are not just taking in the electromagnetic information. They are also memorizing the actual topical map and mm -hmm. landmarks wow. landmarks yeah so when they come out they visually memorize the front of their hive the color the shape the orientation the position mm -hmm. of the sun then they memorize the most prominent landmarks around it and they do that from the ground all the way up to 20 to 50 feet into the air memorizing large trees towers poles you name it then they fly off and they find the food based on the directions that the workers and the dancers have given them go at a 45 degree angle from the sun for X amount of miles. And you're going to find, you know, the jackpot. So is it going to then disrupt them? Maybe in like the further out they get when they're looking for something, but as they get closer to home, no, because just like us, it's old school communication. So you go three miles down the road and you turn where the old red barn used to be that burned down and you're going to see the windmill over here on your right. And then, then you're going to make a left, you know, like they're using landmarks. Yeah, the GPS, yes. yeah exactly. Who needs GPS? We live forever without it. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I don't know if they really would or not. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that 
high-level perspective. Okay, so you make a few good points that I think are very pertinent, and that also includes with those landmarks, there's also a question of proximity to those waves, right? Because they're actually very short. And that's why they're trying to put those boxes a little bit everywhere because they don't even get through buildings. Right. Um, so the, the distance at which they have an effect is, is much lower than what it used to be. Right. And so just real quick right there from like a radio perspective, Back in the day, we had AM radio. AM radio waves are very deep and they have real high troughs and low valleys and stuff to them, right? Plateaus and valleys. And they, even though they have that, it causes issues because then hills and other things get in the way of it and it can block the signal. But an AM signal can travel around Super the world. Exactly. So huge waves and they go really far. FM is a higher quality signal, but it is a shorter wave. So your FM stations almost bleed out before you get to the next city, whereas an AM station from California can be picked up in New York. Right. So So when you drive to from Houston to Austin and you're on that uh, specific FM station, uh, uh, after a while, you're going to hear that crackling and you're going to pick up some other sources. That's that same. It changes and it never changes to the same thing you were listening to. No, it changes to the absolute complete opposite genre oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> i know i've noticed <laughs> anyhow so, i just i just wanted to interject that no, so that people could visualize thing. how those how those waves work yeah and and so the it's also part of some of the stuff that happens in the microwave those are very short waves um that are contained within the cube or whatever the, the box right. that the microwave is and they don't get near you when you're sitting on the couch kind of a right. thing right but so those shorter thing. waves have the ability to cook things that's why they're used for microwaves yeah that's yeah, right exactly so all this is being conflagrated because there's there's that aspect of short waves long waves but I think that to your point is also that when the bees are flying out to forage, um, the height at which they're flying and the areas that they're going to don't necessarily get them anywhere near even those um, longer waves, right? I mean, this kind of a, uh, you're assuming that they're going to be right on top of them. It's like putting the bee next to the microwave kind of thing. Right, is right. that really what's happening realistically on the ground? No. I don't think that's what it is. Um I noticed that with some of this paperwork, there was a lot of scientific references. There's some researchers that are listed, a lot of which don't have anything to do with bees, by the way. Um, I, I found one that had that was talking about um, the effect of high-frequency radiations on survival of honeybees. And it was talking about HF and UHF, you know, giving some megahertz. And the conclusion of, because I went and read it. Yeah, I did too. I think that's the same one that one of our listeners actually sent in to us. I was like, no effect on mortality uh, when those waves are on. It's only when they're interrupted that there's an incidental uh, increase in mortality, but it's less than 10%. Yeah. So. Exactly. See, and that that's my problem too. So we did have a listener write in and ask about the the viability of honeybees located near other things because they have a hive that they want to place, but their only option has a lot of either highline wires, like mega highline wires or cell tower type interference. And they were really concerned if my hive is going to be near that, 
and they have to come and go from that area, is it going to affect it? And I said, well, unfortunately, there is no concrete scientific data, Mm -hmm. not because it doesn't exist, but simply because it hasn't been done. Mm -hmm. And they did send a link to that article and they said, this is the only thing that I can find. And when I read through it, it did talk about how the bees in the control group showed better cognitive responses on learning than the bees that were in the group that were affected by those waves. But the opposite kind of they were taking those bees and they were testing them in an artificial environment. And that's the other point. Yeah. Yeah. They were doing like if you teach this bee that if it does this or goes to this color, it gets food, and then that bee has to teach another bee. Well, you're doing it in a controlled environment. So you've already affected the natural process of the bees because Mm -hmm. now you've manipulated it in some way or another. Um, But it also didn't necessarily draw a distinctive correlation to this is the only thing causing it because we also know that sublethal effects of chemicals and poisons (laughs) cause a degradation of the actual my brain just went blank. See, apparently I've been affected. Um, It it actually degrades, it degrades their ability to decision and think and navigate. So you have this one thing, we know that chemicals can do that. And they're theorizing that some of these waves and, and, um, you know, the megahertz and gigahertz and different signals could do that. But how do you then differentiate? Well, maybe that colony had been susceptible to this and this colony hadn't in your control group even. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be a lot more research. That's the that's the bottom line of it, I think, on that. Right. One of the and things. Your, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say to your point. That's also the same thing with the neonicotinoids and some of the uh, fungicides and the 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 glyphosate and all that stuff. That's actually tricking the nervous system of the bee with the similar effect. So, how do you isolate that from what you're trying to test? If it's right, in, you know, especially when literally, unfortunately, almost every food source they come into contact with has been contaminated in some level. And then they bring that back. It doesn't necessarily affect the cognitive. That's the word I was looking for. The cognitive ability Mm -hmm. of the adult bee that's already grown and matured. But when they feed it to the larva and that larva goes through the pupation, now that new bee has this cognitive disadvantage in there from whatever these effects were. Um, One of the things that I brought up after she had left when you and I were talking Mm -hmm. was that I have seen many times when I've done removals, I have removed bees from breaker boxes, from major transformers where the city literally had to shut off the power to an entire city block so that I could open it up and take bees out of the inside of the damn transformer. No, they didn't seem to mind at all. And maybe there was no hive beetles. I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't know You're I should have looked. I am coming, I'm coming back to that. <laughs> I didn't know that I should have looked at that point, but the, the main part of that though, is that they were actually, they had made the decision that it was worth it for them to live in there because of the heat generated from the electromagnetic fields right. and the energy. And it outweighed the consequences of the actual electromagnetic field and the energy itself. And they were thriving. They weren't in there dying. I didn't pull out a dead hive. They had wrapped that comb around all kinds of shit that shouldn't have been there. That was like, yeah, exactly. It was buzzing in more ways than one. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. So I don't know, like, because one of my favorite things, and we mentioned this in, in some of the previous chats that we've done, you know, where I say things like beekeeping is beekeeping. Well, one of my favorite things to teach younger beekeepers or newer beekeepers is always stop and take a step back and ask yourself, as you mentioned, we needed a shirt. 
what would the bees do? If exactly. I was not here to intervene, what would the bees be doing in nature? Well, in that case, I have numerous versions of cable boxes, actual breaker boxes in a house, major transformers that are huge boxes on the ground, transformers up in the air on telephone poles where bees have built nests there. Yeah. And I also sent a referral to Charlie, Charlie Bee Company, to do a removal off the top of a cell tower. Oh, there you go. See, might as well. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know. So the other thing I wanted to mention is um, I typically um, like research papers. I like to kind of look at what's out there and what's been peer reviewed. You're a nerd. So I, <laughs> I am a nerd <laughs> in so many ways. You're a bee nerd. Yeah, I am a bee hoarder. And it's that I, we started a new apprenticeship, right? And I and saw that. Yeah, Saturday and went really well. And uh, everybody was introducing themselves and they're like, I'm so-and-so, this is what I want. And I'm just like, hi, I'm Natalie B. I'm a bee hoarder. So, <laughs> and that's what it is. But uh, yes, I'm a nerd. And I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> she puts on her glasses. <laughs> For those of you listening to the audio that can't see, as she says, I'm a nerd, she slips on her glasses. <laughs> you know, librarian style. Anyway, um, I was looking up some of the stuff before we, we got together. And this whole thing was pretty much non-existent until about year 2000 when uh, Broward, Broward County Public School asked for a research because they were going to go and, and uh, switch over to laptops and wireless and all the classrooms. They were fairly well-to-do school. And they hired a consultant that was also a physicist. His name was Bill Curry. And this gentleman who had no real biological expertise whatsoever, but had, you know, physicist, physicist uh, kind of background, physics and uh, electrical engineering. That's okay. what his background was. Well, anyway, he uh, studied the effect on those waves on brain tissue, isolated brain tissue, obviously in proximity to, by the way, he was just kind of looking at the waves and he graphed something that showed that, um, Initially, as the waves were um, smaller megahertz, um, they were fine. And then as it was going higher and higher, the brain tissue was getting more and more affected. So that's what started the whole polemic. And he, it went kind of viral. But he really did it on isolated tissue. And forgetting that actually skin, our skin, blocks all those higher frequency. The higher the frequency, actually the safer they are. Uh, and also uh, skin is, is um, blocking sunlight, which is at much higher frequencies than what we're talking about here. Right. So really what's the damage that this can be doing when the sunlight is already doing much worse, right? right? So, okay, so here's where I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw us way out in left field. That's this has fine. nothing I'll to do with I'll go back to where I was. <laughs> yeah. This has nothing to do with bees, but it has to do with what you're talking about right now and I am not advocating for or against either way, but I have always often wondered sun for instance, right? We lived for eons in the sun and our bodies have developed. We've got melanin and melatonin that actually shows up to help darken the skin and protect you from the sun mm -hmm. and do all these other things. But then we started inventing things like sunblock because there are some individuals who can't produce those things and they can't actually physically get severe burns and stuff. So you start developing sunblock, which is a pure synthetic chemical and mm -hmm. you coat it all over the largest organ in your body. And some then suddenly nanoparticles, then you suddenly have, cause I, and I guarantee you anything here, here's something to think about 
anything you read that says not for internal consumption should not be put on your skin your because skin. your skin will absorb anything you put on it it's into your body. It's the largest organ of your body. Too. That's right. So that's the and it, fastest way to get anything into your body, basically. It does osmosis. It will pull mm-hmm. things in just like it you know, perspires and sends things out. Mm-hmm. So I've often wondered, like beekeeping, you know, sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And now they're starting to find that there are certain sunblocks that are causing cancers. Absolutely. Making so, it much worse. Right. You know, so when it comes back into that, you know, our, our, our skin was made to protect us from the sun mm-hmm. and he didn't take that into consideration when he did his experiment. He also was putting the brain tissue, which is not alive functioning inside mm-hmm. your skull with the liquid and the fluid and then your skin. Mm-hmm. And he put it way closer to a way higher frequency than it would be otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like those those studies where they'll go through and they'll say, if you eat a thousand bananas, it will give you cancer. Who in the world would ever eat a thousand bananas yeah, in a day? A you know, a day. exactly. So everything out there, even the best things for you, if done in excess, can have a detrimental effect on your health mm-hmm. or your well-being. So yes. Now, yeah. if you remember, back to wherever it was you were going. <laughs> <laughs> So if you, okay. So, and then there was that other guy that picked it up. So it kind of spread like wildflower, but especially it was um, disseminated by uh, Russian, the Russians actually were really, yeah. So here's the whole conspiracy theory. (laughs) Those are always fun. Yeah. So what happened is that um, RT America, you know, the, the, basically the, the mouthpiece of the Russian government in the United States was picked it up and started blasting about how it causes brain cancer and fertility, autism, heart um, tumors, Alzheimer's, um, all kind of things with children and kind of beating that drum of scare tactics and information warfare on the 5G. Why do you think that is when at home, Vladimir Putin is saying that's really good. 5G is awesome. And they even are using it for healing wounds. They're boosting immune systems. They're treating cancer with that. They're doing skin regeneration treatments uh, to get rid of uh, wrinkles and hair loss and all stuff. And they're saying it's so awesome in Russia, but then through their network in the United States, they're saying it's awful. It's going to, you know, cause all this, you know, yep. uh, really bad things. And it's really geopolitical and economic warfare because whoever wins the war or <laughs> gets there first or has the more um, basically communication skills, yeah. uh, the faster the technological advances, the robots, the um, smart roads, the smart cars, all this stuff. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to um, shrink the gap of progress between the two countries. So you really have to start looking at what's going on behind the scenes and what's the motivation behind people. Usually it's follow the money and it's kind of the the same thing. Yes. So every, if you pay attention every so many years, there will be a study come out and the study has been done before, but Mm -hmm. the verdict flip-flops every three to five years. It is, for instance, um, eggs cause high cholesterol. Yeah. And then a little bit later, you find out that eggs actually are one of the most nutritious, beneficial things that you can do. And then three to five years later, eggs are horribly bad for your health. They clog your arteries. They do all this other stuff. Really, what you end up going into, though, is you look at who paid for each of those studies and inevitably whoever paid for it just coincidentally also is the party that it ruled in the favor of it. Mm-hmm. And so you, you've got to pay attention to that for certain. One of the things that I was not aware of that I found out about here recently was MSG. 
Now I know what MSG is and overseas, it's overseas, (laughs) they used MSG. They, they would call it the magic seasoning. And, uh, I had a roommate for a little while. Her name was Tagrid and she actually like, she was, she didn't know like what it should be called in English. She would just like, Oh, it's, it's grandma put it on stuff. She's like, it's the final thing. It's the magic seasoning. It makes everything great. Mm-hmm. Well, we had this huge thing about MSG is actually horrific for you and really, really yeah. bad for your health and all this stuff. And so we basically banned it from everything and it's not in anything anymore. Mm-hmm. New stuff is starting to come out that indicates that we were actually at a war with China over trade mm-hmm. back when that first came about. And there was no actual research at the time that insinuated that MSG was actually bad for you, but they propagated that it was so that we could cut our supply chain with China and have this import export war with them. And this was many, many years ago, but that's a perfect example of something where manipulation, we just take it as it is. And, and then you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, and then later you find out otherwise olive oil is another one. Olive oil is amazing for you. It's great for your health cook with it. And then all of a sudden now, like I think it's been about 10 years now there's all these studies that are like, if you heat olive oil, it can cause all these other things. Oh, yeah, Don't use it. It's bad it for you. Yeah. yeah. You need How to use coconut oil milk? and then it How switches. Milk? Yeah. yeah milk, milk mm-hmm. as well. And, but see with milk, there are, I will say this on milk. There are some, some truths to things, but it's all about, and like everything, even like in beekeeping, there's a contradiction to everything. It's how you process it. So in milk, because of the standards for USDA and going through and processing a mass commodity, it must be homogenized and it must be pasteurized. When you pasteurize it, you're killing all the good beneficial enzymes and things that would have been in anything, honey, milk, you name it. Yeah. Right. Transform some uh, particles or whatever. When you, when you homogenize it, which is basically shaking the shit out of it. Um, It's put into a centrifuge. When you homogenize it, it actually breaks the molecules into sharp points that can scarify the inside of your internal organs and your blood veins. Mm -hmm. But if you went out to the farm and you milked a cow and you drank that milk, that milk is not actually bad for you. That's actually good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The eggs, we know we talked about eggs just a second ago. Where you come from, uh-huh. overseas in France from those outer lands from that weird land. that weird world <laughs> out there um <laughs> yeah she's making making pointed hat cone head <laughs> like pointed hat shapes here so overseas they look at poultry and eggs or eggs specifically completely different and our grading scale here in the United States actually has that Eggs must be washed, cleaned, and refrigerated to be considered grade A. In France, if you wash and clean an egg, it's a grade Hmm. D egg. Yeah. Eggs straight out of the chicken have a natural membrane on them that actually protects them from salmonella and E. coli and can set on the shelf unrefrigerated for weeks with no problems whatsoever. It's when you wash it that it goes bad. If you put it in the fridge, then you have to keep it in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it must stay. Condensation. Yeah. Uh, It'll build up that. on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, you can't do that here because mm-hmm. they won't allow you to oh, sell it, it here. No, I mean, but buying wise, they won't allow you to sell it here unless you've done all these things that actually degrade the quality of it and make it not 
shelf safe, uh, shelf safe and stable, Mm -hmm. which is crazy because when I started doing chickens a few years back and I learned all these things, I was dumbfounded, you know, and when you go overseas and you're not used to it and you see, you know, the eggs are just in a bowl on the counter right? and you're like, what? No, you can't do that. And they're like, yeah, you can. It's what you guys do that screws them up. (laughs) Exactly. As soon as you wash them, you have to refrigerate them. They must be refrigerated. You've, you've washed off the protective coating, which then allows the porous eggshell to pull in bacteria and toxins and other stuff. So and, and, you know, let's just mention not that long ago, he uh, was in New Mexico and they started talking about how, uh, for whichever reason, he was talking about that on Saturday, um, they were saying you're going to have to pasteurize your honey because of, you know, things like this, like the scare, the fear of um, germs uh, and pathogens. It's and all uh, that. botulism, the fear of botulism. botulism. Yeah. yeah. And, and well, does uh, pasteurizing t- get rid of the botulism? Yeah. I think the it does. pasteurization kills the botulism spores, which is just a, it's, it's almost like lactobacillus, which is a good probiotic, but botulism mm-hmm. is a, a bad, bad bacteria that'll actually cause an infection. Yes. It usually does not affect adults in small quantities, but it can affect children, which is why they say not to feed it to infants under one year of age. Mm-hmm. But the other counter to that, and I'm not saying you should feed your infants honey, but the other counter to that is think about a one-year-old. Right. They are crawling on their hands and knees, yeah. touching everything, and then putting their hands and feet in their mouth. I'm pretty sure they're going to come across whatever they're going to come across anyway. And it's going to be hard to say that that botulism came from honey versus the dirt that was on yeah. the floor or whatever, you know? So um, but yeah, say less said no, I'm not right. pasteurizing. My no honey. pasteurizing. And the other thing that's going to happen when you pasteurize honey is it's you're going to create you, hydroxymethylferferol. Well, that and you're killing the enzymes that are killing, keeping yep. it healthy. So by pasteurizing it, you're doing the opposite thing. You're creating more opportunity for bad ger- stuff to develop in it yep. than if it was raw. When it's yep. raw and it's got all its enzymes, it's a, it's a fairly stable product. It takes care of itself. It's got the... Um, uh, um, what you call that? The peroxide and all this stuff going on. And when you pasteurize it, all that stuff goes away. Yep. And all of a sudden it's a, it's a dangerous, you should keep it in the fridge at this point, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, when uh, I think it was like two years ago on the podcast, uh, I don't know if you remember or not, Ken had a really nasty wound on his leg and mm-hmm. he started, the doctor actually recommended for him to use honey to treat it. Yeah. But the funny thing was the honey that he was given that was medicinal honey was pasteurized. It was sterilized and pasteurized and put into a tube. And I told him, I was like, Ken, you're basically just putting sugar on your leg. Right. Because all the good stuff that would have been in there is gone at that point. So I I use my, I I just shove my finger in the jar and slaver it on whatever wound I have. Yep. And, and, and it will burn and will bubble up. It will do whatever the peroxide does and, and it'll get liquid. Right. Because in the process of exchanging that, yeah. yeah, it pulls out those li- uh, those um, uh, liquids and it ends up being very slippery on your skin kind of a thing. Yeah. But it works super well. It really shortens the healing process. And, and they use it in veterinarian uh, settings where they, nothing else is working, especially for horses and larger animals. It's, it's like a really very efficient where nothing else was working. They will use it in hospitals for debriding wounds uh, from burn victims yep. and, and um, infections, you know, gangrenous things and whatever to pull out and clean out the dead tissues and yeah. help the skin heal faster. 
Well, and, and that's something that, um, and you know him as well, but that's, that's what all of Dr. Osterk's research is on. Yes. And he's been on the show before he's, he's been to some of our conventions and stuff as well. So, you know, there, there's a lot to say for that. Um, Mm -hmm. if, uh, if anybody is interested in hearing more potentially about the antibacterial or the bioactivity levels of honey, go to the main podcast and look for Dr. Ferhat Ozturk and, uh, like, honey for wound healing or the medicinal purposes of honey. I don't remember. It's in season one. I'm pretty sure maybe season two, but I think it's season one. Um, go check that out. And then there's, you know, there's lots of stuff there. Also, he has the joined World you guys for the world B day. That's exactly yes. where I was going. Yeah. He's joined you guys for the world B day webinar. So it's out there. Um, and by the way, for those out. of you who don't have the tickets from when you bought it right then and then, they are now down, they are going to be down. I don't know if I changed it yet, but they're going to be down to $15 instead of 55 and 65 oh, or whatever the price is. That is so, that is yeah. a huge deal because that's like 12 speakers. It's like 12 hours worth of content. Day. Dr. Yes. Seeley, uh, Michael Bush, Sam Comfort, you know, some amazing speakers there. Sam Comfort. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. He, he sang a little song at the end. Of course he did. So awesome. Of course he did. That's, <laughs> that is just Sam through and through. We had Sam on the, uh, the summer clinic of 2020. And yes, I watched him. Yes. And we couldn't get him off the air. I remember he went way he over. He was way over. He did like, he was supposed to have a 45 minute segment and he did like an hour and a half. And finally I had to interrupt him and be like, dude, I love you, but you got to shut up. There's like, other ones after you. We yeah. got, yeah, we had you Dr. Know- Tarpy waiting in the wings and luckily he and Dr. Tarpy know each other. So Dr. Tarpy so was knew- humoring yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's because of what happened then that I put him all the way last at the, at the last <laughs> of the conference because i'm like yeah oh, that's not gonna work with my schedule it's pretty tight and yeah you're like I'm i know you buddy <laughs> i saw what you did I you're see, going I at the end <laughs> but it was awesome i mean I, don't get me wrong i i loved having him on and uh he he won a lot of people over yeah he's but- great he's just he's definitely um a very free-spirited Yes. Fun individual and, and has no concept of time. <laughs> but <laughs> like, I will tell you, unless and I laugh about it all the time. And we did that again this weekend during the apprenticeship because he was uh, he had his own little time frames and all stuff. And I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, OK, well, we're going to move on. Because- <laughs> yeah. Les is also an individual that has no concept of time and is very free spirited. He laughs. Um, he laughs. <laughs> when I first met Les. I met him actually at a dinner mm-hmm. and it was the week following or the week leading up to, he was going to actually do his big uh, weekend long course that I was actually participating in. And this is the very first time they ever met him. I, I got invited to go to this dinner and I went to the dinner and then I, he was going to do a speaking engagement at a local place here in town. And it was about bees in quotes, wow. I say air quotes. <laughs> it was about bees. And I took a friend. Thing. I took a friend of mine with me and halfway through the presentation, he, he leans over to me and he goes, this is fascinating, but what are we supposed to be talking about? And I was like, bees. And he goes, has he talked about bees? And I was like, for five (laughs) minutes in the beginning, but we learned so much about Jamaica and Africa and all these different cultural things. Yes. You know, and so it's like, it's fascinating and you learn, 
but it's, it is not necessarily a fluid straight path to get there. <laughs> well, and sometimes he catches himself and he, he circles back to his point because he's making a point. He is making a point. Yes. It's just a very long winded point, <laughs> but the, but the, but the journey though, it's definitely one of those that the journey is the whole point, not the destination. And, and the journey that he takes you on yes. is it, you learn so much and it's fascinating to actually get these little peaks and of so different things. Wisdom, wisdom yeah. in there as well. I took, uh, I also took another friend. So we had him speak back at the Travis County Beekeepers Association many, many, many years ago. And I took a friend to go see him there mm-hmm. and she is not a beekeeper and she was in tears because he was telling his whole story about him and his grandfather and how he got started and like what the bees meant oh, to him. Yes. And, and she was like crying in the back of the room. And when we got done, I was like, are you okay? And she was like, Oh my God, I feel like I just went to church. Like that was like a spiritual experience. And I mean, like, all, Oh my gosh, I got goosebumps because that is less. Girl. That's less. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. So no matter where the random story goes, it has a point and it it's, yes. you learn from it. Exactly. But yeah, he's he is a wonderful individual. We will actually um, have him in here for for one of these chats, or probably maybe okay. more of these chats at some point as well. So everybody can uh, can partake. That, we've had him on I, a we've had him on one of the main segment episodes before, and I've um, had him on the natural beekeeping corner. And I need to do that more. I mean, we yeah. had a really I thought we had a really great chat. We really enjoyed each other, uh, and and I don't know if we made our points throughout for the listeners, but. We thought we had a great time. <laughs> well, no, it we was it time. was good. It was good because every time we have ever had him on there, there's always this influx of, of suddenly we start getting comments and people will okay. be like, hey, so, you know, I think I'm going to go ahead and try this. You know, like I listen to less and like, where can I find this or where can I do that or whatever? Right. And yeah, and that's that's awesome. And also you and I are just straight up spoiled when it comes right down to it because we dumb luck literally is the only reason that we know some of these people we right. just happened to literally be in the right place at the right time. And it was, uh, it was kismet basically oh, yeah. for all of this to work out because absolutely, it, it just, it's just how it was. Like, you know, I, I literally, I would call less a friend and less oh, calls me too, just yeah. to check on me. Not, not yeah. talk about bees. He's just like, Hey, haven't heard from you in a while. How are things going? How's the family? You know? And I'm like, you know, we'll talk for a little bit. And I'm like, Oh, did you need anything? Cause again, he goes off on random stories. Yeah, so I just right, have to so check. You did you, did you actually yeah. need anything? No, no. I was just checking to see how things were, you know, so we'll he's catch so up on sweet. him and his grandkids and yeah. it just, it's great. So he's I, a wonderful individual. Once or twice or sometimes four times a day. And, um, <laughs> well, you guys well, literally work together too now. Well, we so do, but yeah. I, I think that initially, um, initially he, he would, he was not really good at answering everything, but we have such good conversations that, that now he picks up every time yeah. when he is available, he picks up every time and I make it short as much as I can, but we always have very constructive conversations and we really, I mean, I really, really, really enjoy it. And then the best is when I get to drive to B schools and we get to carpool. Yeah. That's the best. Because that's when we talk the most, right? We have so, more time. Are you guys carpooling to Galveston? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we'll be in the same hotel. He'll has he'll have his room, and I'll have mine. And um, but so we're carpooling. We're meeting. Um, he's coming from south, and we're going to meet just before we're taking that trip out east. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. That's coming are you up. Going? Oh, are you going? I mean, I'm sort of kind of putting it on. So I kind of sort of have to, but at the same time, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, 
So we'll see on that. But for anybody listening that is in the state of Texas that wants to go, it is the November 5th, 6th, and 7th. That is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, Galveston, Texas, Moody Gardens, November 5th, 6th, and 7th. And you can find tickets at the... Uh, Texas Beekeepers Association. What is it? TexasBeekeepers.org. Beekeepers.org. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, it should be right there on the main page. You can click the link and go through and yeah. get that. Um, but yeah, so I will definitely be there. I will not be giving any classes because as one of the top two officers for the association, um, it is it is easy. seen as self-promoting, which is absolutely hysterical wow. to me. Um, (laughs) so I will not be presenting any topics, but I will be introducing people in the main room and I will, I will be about here and there. So if anybody comes and wants to say hi, uh, if you can find me, I'm usually more than happy to say hi back. (laughs) That'll be fun. But let's go back to our subject. Oh, we had, yeah. Okay. Less. You got more? I'm going to call you less. (laughs) I'm going to say I learned it from Ken. True. So what, yeah, I did have something more I wanted to mention. Tell me what it sounds like and, or, or maybe don't tell me what it sounds like, but one of the, some of the things that I heard about the scare of those uh, 5G, you know, microwaves and all this stuff is that uh, it's bad for those, uh, it it, it creates problem with eyes, um, antibiotic resistance, it's a carcinogen, uh, it's, uh, it creates, Headaches, fatigue, decreased ability to concentrate, tinnitus, irritability, insomnia. <laughs> it sounds cancer. like every commercial for any drug you've ever seen on TV that always crack me up. It's like, you want to quit smoking? Take this pill. Side effects could yeah. be death, coma, suicide. You know, and it's like, oh my God, the side effects are worse than smoking. You know, like that's like, right. <laughs> so, but they're using it as a scare tactic. And what to me, it sounds like, and, and I don't want to get into that too deep because that's a controversial subject. It shouldn't it be a controversial subject, but you know, what's happening right now with the whole vaccination and all those stuff. That's so. true. I mean, that, that is actually true. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation and things out there, but I, I, looking at it from like a clinical study standpoint, I think one of the main problems is that when you do see those ads on TV for a drug, and and if if you've ever participated in a drug trial, you could have a random headache and it not be associated with that drug, but because you were part of the trial, they have to list it as a potential side effect. So somebody in that trial Mm -hmm. had this issue. Well, it could also be that if you turn around and you try to do this type of real world survey and you're surveying individuals that live near these cell towers, and Mm -hmm. one individual suddenly came up with macular degeneration, well, now you've got to say, well, it could cause macular degeneration. This other individual came up with some sort of cancer or melanoma. Well, it could cause that cancer. Is it real or is it a coinkidink? Right, exactly. Did did that, is that something that they were genetically predispositioned to Mm -hmm. and would have happened wherever they lived? Or did it happen because they were right there at that place? And- you know, there's, there's an old adage in there about there is really no way to truly study nature in its natural environment because the act of studying it or viewing it interferes with it it immediately changes all of the parameters. Mm -hmm. So yes, but but it does sound like the vaccines. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I would, I would keep down that path by saying, um, what's being said, and, and I'm sorry to say, because I got nothing against necessarily Russia or anybody else, you know, but there's this, you know, things that are being said over there 
and information that's being pushed for the rest of the world that's kind of uh, not telling the whole story. It's a lot of uh, scare tactics and, and yeah. just kind of, you know, um, it's basically bad uh, fake news kind of. It is, it is, it is. And it goes down to really, I mean, some of that stuff, that that gets in some real thin iced kind of treacherous water yeah, type stuff. I, but I'm just going to stop at where yeah, I... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, what I was saying though is like, really, you've got to, you have to be critical thinking, Right. Thank you. Everything has Thanks to be taken with a grain of salt and you have to weigh it with other things that you yourself have experienced. You can't just go on what somebody else says um, for any reason. Yeah. And for example, the, the cell phones that were going to ca- cause brain cancers, that hasn't increased. The, the, statistics, the, the studies show there's been no uptick in brain cancer. Right. And even though for a while that was the big, you know, oh my gosh, it's causing all those issues and all stuff. So rely on science, rely on what's happening in the real world, your critical thinking and follow the money, follow yeah. the whatever is, could be motivated, the people that are pushing those pieces of information. Absolutely. And that works for everything because it works also for treatments. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know my spiel on that, right? Well, okay. So, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> How can you not? <laughs> um, manuka honey, for instance. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. So manuka honey does have amazing benefits to it. Mm-hmm. A lot of those benefits are shared with every type of honey produced, honey, period. Exactly. Uh, a few of those benefits are unique to attributes of the manuka plant and the tree. But not there all are manuka honeys, honeys are, are Right, not equal. all of them are equal either. There are honeys here in the United States, such as buckwheat honey, that have just as much, if not a higher, bioactivity level mm-hmm. than manuka honey. And but Dr. the marketing, that's yes. right. The marketing behind it, though, is what's driving your perception of it. And so you see this manuka honey and you're like, oh my God, I want to put honey on a wound because I heard Natalie talk about it and manuka honey is supposed to be the best. I'm going to go spend $50 on this tiny ass little jar of honey right, exactly. so I can do that. When in reality, you probably could have just taken honey from your own hive and been just fine and not spend anything. So to be clear, that's what I do. I right. use honey from my own hives. I don't even care if it's buckwheat or whatever. Yes, there probably is some variation as Dr. Ferret Oster proved. But the point is that honey is, is in the end, um, you know, how much difference is there? And is the marketing from a specific kind of honey going to be um, making a difference when it might be just like you said, mostly marketing. And on top of that, depending on the level that they're talking about for the, I think it's peroxide content, uh, they're not going to be necessarily, you know, at the same level. I, I, I don't know. It reminds me of other great marketing um, uh, activities in the world of beekeeping that I will, that shall not be mentioned today because that's another can of worms. <laughs> that she may have mentioned more than once in the past. I might have. <laughs> In fact, I think there may be a couple of natural beekeeping segments that may go into that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, you're, no, you're not thinking about the one I'm thinking. I'm talking about the Australian one. Oh, nope. I, I was not thinking about that. I, I was, I was thinking the about the correlation between treatment and uh, yeah. beekeeping suppliers and manufacturers. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, where yeah, I was going the, with it. The big marketing story, the big successful marketing story in the world of beekeeping is with those Australians. I love Australians, Crazy. but there's Crazy that Australian Aussies. company. Yeah, I know. 
Oh. I've got friends in Australia that want us to come. They wanted to come to the apprenticeship. And I'm like, we need to organize some trip at some point and come and visit with okay. you guys. We, 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 me and you. Yes. Absolutely need to go to Australia sometime. Oh my gosh, that would, would be, be a, a hoot. Blast. That would be a hoot. Um, okay, so final note, and then and then we'll get off here. And this will be like way out of time for everybody and make no sense. But um, <laughs> Charlie, uh-huh. we um, I have mentioned on the main segment episodes before that I did participate in a reality TV show with Charlie on the yes. removals, and I was not aware of this. I knew that it was released in the UK as like a trial run. And it was supposed to be released here in the United States in originally in like July of this year. And then it got bumped to September. And now I don't know that it's going to happen this year, but apparently it was just released in Australia. Like serendipitous, right? Like just a couple of weeks ago, they're, they're getting ready to like this week. I think they air episode three, right? right? Now here's the deal. They changed the name of the damn show. So here it's called Charlie B company. Right. In Australia, they rebranded it as the Bee Whisperer. And I there's the Bee Whisperer. And I'm well, like, like it was there. I swear to God, there's another show in like Europe that's called the Bee Whisperer. So at first I started getting these messages, like random messages from our listeners in Australia. And I had no idea the context (laughs) or what they were talking about. And one of them was from Rachel and Rachel's a very avid listener. And she sent me this email and she was like, so luckily I didn't tell this show to piss off, you know, because of course we're, we're, you have to imagine this in an Aussie accent and all the fun right, words right. that they use. Um, you know, luckily I didn't tell this show to piss off in the first episode and I watched the second episode and guess who I see. And then she puts in quotes, he with the most toys wins. And I sat there for a minute and I was like, Ken says that I poke fun at Ken for that. I have repeated it saying like, well, as Ken thinks totally something that Charlie would say and probably something that I would have said to Charlie because we were using a massive jackhammer. And (laughs) so I was sitting there and I was like, but, but what is she talking about? Cause she said the bee whisperer. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And I did some looking online and I almost thought the bee whisperer was a separate show that did a highlight on Charlie. And since I had talked about Charlie, I thought that's how that all came back into play. No, that is Charlie Biko and his B removal reality TV show. And apparently I am in episode two. (laughs) So right off the bat, apparently Charlie and I are, are going to town on this massive stone structure, trying to jackhammer rocks and stuff out of it to get into this colony, which ended up being way smaller than I thought it was going to be based (laughs) on where they were coming and going out of the holes. And I'm glad that it did because it took us a day and a half to make a hole that was, you know, maybe three or four foot across. So you have a hole that's like this. Oh, and then we you had a massive, we had a massive hole. The colony, the colony was maybe like a foot and a half, two foot across and maybe three foot up. So, I mean, it was still an okay size colony, but they were going almost seven foot up the wall. There were little holes in the stones that the bees would come and go out of which is why we were worried that it was going to be the whole wall. And, but the thermal image showed just a little tiny place and that's actually where they ended up being. So that's where we started. And luckily that was the end of it. But what we had found was that all the way up there was old black dead melted comb 
from where people had attempted to do it or poisoned and killed them before. Oh, wow. And that stuff was still there. So they would still use those channels, but they built their new colony down further from that. Mm -hmm. So, but anyhow, that's out in Australia. So if you want to see me being goofy with power tools on TV, check out the Bee Whisperer episode two. Um, It's called beer bikes and bees or something, which again, I've not seen it. I have no idea how it's edited, what's put together, what scenes are there and what ones aren't. I, I, I am in the blind. So you guys have seen it and I haven't. Um, I told Rachel, hopefully I didn't look like a complete fool. And she was like, no, but it looked like a bleep of a job. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> You're going to be more famous down under. There you go. That's right. That's right. Um, and for anybody out there that has a uh, twisted or perverted sense of humor, definitely go to the Hive Jive website and buy a shirt that says the Hive Jive, we're big down under. <laughs> <laughs> I love that shirt. <laughs> I love Yeah, it's fun. Actually, uh, for video purposes, let me see if I can actually, this is a smaller version. Oh, yeah. The, oh, and that's um, Jorge's design initially, yep, right? That's the one that's on the website called the Queen Bee. Sorry, I moved away from the mic. So that's the one on the website that's called the Queen Bee. And I actually have redone it. It's a little bit bigger now. So it takes up more of the front of the shirt. Uh, that's on the website. And then the new one that I think I told you about last time, possibly, is the Drones Life, which we use the cartoon version of Kin as a bee. And mm-hmm. we did little still frames of what a drone's life is from basically being born and being waited on and drinking and partying and dancing and then chasing the girl and then catching the girl and yeah. dying. <laughs> honey nut Cheerio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Honey nut Cheerio. That's exactly what we said in that one. Yes. Um, so those are out there. Go check those out if you want to. Don't have to. It's just kind of a fun little thing that's on the side. So um, at some point I may actually see that. That that's, bee. My, yeah. that's my bee. That is actually the wicked bee that I drew for my company. That's on the um, logo on your honey. It is on the top. Yeah. On the little hexagonal logo that makes up the whole thing. This little bee is teeny tiny on the top of it and is the one that's flying through the hexagon making the swoosh. Um, but it's the also on my new, my new design honey logo actually has the bee bigger. So it says wicked has the bee and then says honey for wicked bee honey. But bee is actually spelled out inside the bee. The bee, yes. The bee itself right. actually makes WB inside of it. So um, you know, fun it's little things. Cool like logo. That. I really like your new logo. I mean, Thanks. I really thought it was very creative and, and well done. Yeah. Unfortunately, I just invalidated like 500 pages of stickers. <laughs> oh no. What did, oh, because you had pre-printed all those and then you switched the logo. Yeah. Then, yeah. No, no. Cause I pre-printed all of them and they have a location that's not going to be valid. <laughs> oh, oh yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, so many repercussions, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> that's a story that's not out yet. I'm not out yet. To it. <laughs> it, it's still in, it's still in the process, but uh, more to come. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in with us today for uh, a very interesting theoretical discussion and a whole lot of random BS in say, there. We did, we did pull a little oh, bit yeah. related, you know. We were paying homage to Ken and Les, and we were going was, off in all yes. the other directions. You know, we had to make sure we covered all the bases in the field. So, um, and the adjacent field, and maybe the one across town, because you know, mm-hmm. why not? So we usually stay focused, but today we kind of took the uh, today off we did the didn't. beaten path. 
Yeah, today we didn't. We didn't follow a beeline. <laughs> no, we didn't. We did the Wicked Bee Harry Potter we, we, beeline. <laughs> the swoosh. We did a swoosh. Oh, anyhow, thank you guys so much. Um, be good. Be mindful. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you, and we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees.